Looking closely at other industries can give you great insights and ideas you can steal for your own business. Although my guest today has a financial services background, he has enjoyed his most recent successes in the online digital world. I couldn't pass up the opportunity to talk to Neil today and hear the story of how he created new social media platform Natter.com and learn from his experiences building digital products. Listen to how Neil came up with the concept of Natter and how its simplicity could change your thinking style. Hear about useful concepts like MVPs, that's minimum viable products, and how we could apply these to the financial services industry. That's all right here in episode 30 of the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. Welcome, you're listening to the podcast for providers and advisors looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of protection and finance. For each episode, you can find the show notes and links to things we talked about at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF. So let's get on with the show and here's your host, Roger Edwards. So let's get started with today's interview and I'm delighted to introduce you to Neil Stanley. Neil is an entrepreneur and is currently CEO of Natter.com, the latest venture to come out of his internet incubator company Alamex Limited. Alamex has produced a number of spin-outs already, including most notably the UK's best school guide website, schoolguide.co.uk. Prior to being an entrepreneur, Neil had a financial services background, working for over a decade at Goldman Sachs and also at a Swiss private bank. Neil also spent five years as a board director helping to grow the financial services social enterprise called Fair Finance. A little known fact about Neil is that he spends most of his Sundays ringing church bells. So Neil, welcome to the Empath Podcast. Well, thank you very much, Roger. And uh, and firstly, I think I should say um, I realise that I'm... Well, I've listened to several of your podcasts and realised that I'm probably a little bit unconventional relative to the uh, the person or the people you normally have on the podcast. So thank you very much indeed for allowing me to come on. Not a problem at all. I quite like unconventional, so please don't feel uh, any problem with that at all. So, Neil, before we get into today's main discussion, and, of course, I want to explore this fascinating concept called Natter.com, but before we get to that, let's find out a little bit about you. So tell everyone about where you came from, what your ambitions are. Basically, Neil, what makes you tick? Tell you a bit about me, uh, Roger. I now live in Bath uh, and work here, having worked, uh, like most people in Bath, for many years in London. Uh, But actually, I grew up originally uh, in the Midlands and went to university sponsored by the Army, and after being in the army for four years I did an MBA and surprised uh, everyone and myself in particular by ending up at Goldman Sachs where uh, I worked in institutional sales uh, and ran a couple of uh, technology businesses and I was at Goldman at a very interesting time uh, all through the IPO so I saw it both as a private business uh, and as a public one uh, and left Goldman about 10 years ago um, obviously in quite a good financial position which allowed me to move on and uh, move into what I want to do, which is uh, run technology-type businesses, because uh, that, that's what really interests and excites me. And where did that interest in technology come from, Neil? How did you decide to become an entrepreneur in this niche? Oh, well, I've always been fascinated by technology. I remember having a Sinclair ZX81 back, that would be in the early 80s when uh, they first 
came out. And I've always been involved with computing. And when I was at Goldman, I actually ran a, a global technology project back in the day is when they were taking people out of business to, to do the e-commerce thing. And actually also was fortunate enough to run Goldman Sachs's first uh, business that actually put software on clients' desktops with uh, electronic trading. So I've always had some interesting technology and I've always um, aspired to do that. And I think if I had my time again, I'd probably go and learn to, to write code. But now I just uh, am in the fortunate position of actually running businesses where I have a lot of very smart people doing that kind of thing. Yeah, Neil, tell us a little bit more about your company, Alamex, and what it's achieved so far. Uh, well, Alamex is, is essentially a holding company that runs a, a wide range of technology business lines um, that we've built up over the years, which generates free cash flow, and, uh, and I choose to use a lot of that free cash flow to incubate new ideas. So perhaps the best example before we got to NATO was a, a website called schoolguide.co.uk, um, I would encourage your listeners to uh, to go and check it out. There's no better site in the UK for researching uh, schools. Um, it has a huge uh, volume of traffic of parents looking for schools on it. And actually, um, it is funded by advertising. So I would say it's a great place for financial services companies looking to reach A, B, C, 1 parents, uh, particularly those uh, thinking about planning for school fees. So, you know, there's uh, there's a contact the advertising department on that site. But School Guide is, is just a great example of, of one of the things we've done at Alamex that's been particularly successful. And your interesting technology has led you to develop a new social media platform. Now, I'll just give everybody on the Empath Podcast a little bit of background about this, Neil, because I was talking a few weeks ago to a a colleague of mine in the industry, a guy called Phil Calvert, and he mentioned this new social media platform called Natter. So I immediately logged onto the internet. I'm a bit of a social media geek. I've been um, heavily involved in it for about five or six years now. So I looked for Natter, and I found this new social media website, which effectively allows you to write only three words per post. And, of course, that immediately appealed to me because I'm a major fan of simplicity. I'm a, me a major fan of keeping things short and concise. And the three-word approach to that immediately caught my attention. And then, funnily enough, last week when I was interviewing Chris Dames for the podcast, he mentioned Natter as well. And, and I think that led to us connecting on LinkedIn, and it led to this conversation. So I'm incredibly interested in learning how you saw the development of social media and, of course, in the last 10 years we've seen Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, all of those social media platforms. What's the story behind Natter and how did it come about? That's a big question and I think it's important to put it in context uh, you know what we do uh, at Alamex and uh, you know we have a core uh, range of businesses that actually do quite well and generate a decent amount of cash flow and I think what I aspire to do with Alamex is incubate things, uh, incubate technology ideas and it's in the context of that that um, uh, I had this idea uh, probably about a year ago now, and it was based on something that had been in the back of my mind for some time. I went to a birthday party, and it was actually my sister's birthday party a few years ago, where everyone at the party were invited to come up with three words about the about the host to describe them. And I just really was quite intrigued by the idea. And we was playing with this idea in my head, uh, say, a year ago, and was talking to my two sons, uh, Alex and Adam. They're at Alex and at Adam on, uh, on NASA. And they're always a good benchmark for me because they're, you know, they're teenagers, they're actively involved in social media, and I think they know much more about it than, than I necessarily do. And they were both 
saying how they were getting tired of Facebook. Uh, they didn't particularly use Twitter. They were using Instagram and Snapchat, but to a lesser extent. And I just ran the idea past them. Well, what if there was a social network where you could just three use three words? And they both immediately loved the idea, which I think is always a good indicator because it's very easy to have an idea yourself and, uh, and not validate it. So what we do at Alamex is we, we, we try to do stuff. We have this motto in-house, which is uh, we do stuff. And so last summer um, I asked... Uh, CTO, uh, Chief Technology Officer uh, Dan Bartlett, who's a complete superstar, to to build uh, what we call an MVP. Have you, do you know the expression MVP, Roger? No, let, let explain that to me. It's uh, it's widely used in technology, but it's minimum viable product. Okay. So it's it's something that kind of works, and people put it out there and see what happens. And there's a great saying, which is. Uh, you know, if you're not ashamed of your MVP, then you've taken too long over it. <laughs> but Dan built this MVP uh, last summer, and we've done this many times in the past. We've built things. And you can have a vision, and you can build something, and it's surprising how often when you actually build something, you can actually be disappointed by the outcome. Right. <laughs> uh, we've done this several times. Uh, but with Natter, it was different. You know, Dan built this, and we started using it internally just to a handful of us in the office and a few friends and actually it was really good fun and we really liked it so immediately started gearing up uh, the investment to, to take this on to something more than an MVP yeah I think it's interesting as well what you've been saying there about the MVP in the financial services industry which is predominantly um, where the listeners of this, this podcast work we do tend to have a problem with incubating ideas it's possible the fact that producing a financial services product and you'll know this from your Goldman Sachs days is such a massive undertaking often it involves sometimes legacy systems etc that companies almost have to produce a business case for the, the complete end-to-end -end product and it's either all or nothing and therefore quite a lot of products never ever get off the ground because they haven't got the ability to create that incubatory stage where you're almost testing it and where you would actually have the the guts to dump it if it wasn't working or to evolve it a little and try a, a different approach and then evolve it a little and try a different approach until it fitted the market segment. It sounds like obviously the system that you have at Alamex gives you that flexibility to play with ideas and, and I'm quite jealous of that approach. Well I have to say I mean you, you just made me realize uh, maybe one of the reasons I've made this career move is uh, obviously in financial services everything that's done is very heavily regulated so you can't um, necessarily experiment to the extent that we do, uh, and yet we uh, do do things. And particularly, you know, uh, when you put out a free product, it, it's very easy to put it out there. And if it doesn't work, well, no one's paid for it, and uh, and there's no regulator going to complain that uh, the customers have been misled. So this is one of the joys of being in technology, I suppose, as opposed to financial services, the ability to just try stuff. And, and did you have a roadmap for Nat and Neil in that you had an, an end game for it? So we already have Twitter, which is 140 characters, and obviously it's huge and very popular. LinkedIn is very business-focused. Facebook 
it's very personal focus and all the other ones have a, a, a specific angle like Pinterest and, and Instagram are, are photo based what was your goal for Nata or was it more of an experiment to see how social media develops and evolves I think uh, that's uh, that's a really key question and, and the, the clear answer is we had no uh, explicit vision and I think this gets to the core of, uh, of something I, I did want to talk about is that I've been involved in uh, quite a few uh, early stage businesses that have been quite prescriptive about uh, what the user should do uh, and actually none of them have succeeded so what we've very consciously done with Nata is to make the technology not the technology flexible but actually to to listen to users so we constantly engage with the users of Nata uh, we've got a group of uh, students at uh, Bath University who've been active users um, particularly like to mention Alex Marshall and Sarah McBride and also uh, I have gone out of my way to engage with individual power users who've come on to NATA and we you know I, I deal with them uh, day to day and, and, and we listen and actually the roadmap that we now have which uh, if anyone's interested they'll find on our blog which is nata.com forward slash blog has really been shaped by the feedback that we've had day to day and um, I'm a big fan of a book called uh, What Would Google Do? Have you come across that? I have read that, yes, it's good. And that kind of says it all. You know, prior to Google, there were, there were web portals which gave you menus of places to go, whereas Google turned up with a uh, an empty search box where you type in where you want to go. And we've really tried to take that approach with Nata. I like the idea of the students as well. Um, I've been involved in a few projects like that where I've run some product ideas and some marketing ideas past some people at the Glasgow Design school and and again we you know we, we get them in we we let them incubate ideas to use your terminology and then come and present those ideas to us as a group and what always amazed me was the innovative thinking and the amazing levels of creativity that these guys we used to put into these projects and I was always in awe of that sort of raw slightly perhaps naive approach that they brought to the, the projects and that always made me think that one day you guys are going to become employed, possibly by a big company, and all of your creativity is going to be squeezed out of you by the bureaucracy and the um, compliance. And I just hope that that never happens. But it really is something that if you want to test new ideas out, talking to students, talking to younger people and letting them rip them apart and present ideas back to you is a great way of, of nurturing a light bulb moment. That's absolutely right. And, you know, a great example of that on NASA is um, an idea that, that I sort of initiated and brainstormed with the students was to introduce what we call kudos, which is essentially an element of gamification on NASA because uh, every NASA can be liked and kudos is actually a, a score that users get uh, which basically totals the number of likes they've had in the last 30 days and gives a sense of uh, a satisfying sense of feedback in terms of people appreciating uh, your contributions to NASA. And that, I guess, say, came out of a, a brainstorm session with, uh, with two students. Looking now at, at social media wider, Neil, uh, as I say, I've been involved in social media for at least six years now and I've been a I like to describe myself as a social media champion I never describe myself as a social media expert because I don't believe it's possible for anybody to be an expert in such an evolving market but I have championed social media within the organizations that I've worked in and I do feel that especially in the financial services industry it's been a very slow take up there are power users as, as I think you used the um, term just before of Twitter and LinkedIn and there are people like 
like Phil Calvert who, who have made a very uh, successful business out of getting out there and training people in how to use social media but it's still quite slow and there's still quite a lot of what I would describe as paranoia amongst financial services companies especially on the IT side that somehow if they use social media they're going to leave themselves open to hacking or, or, or that sort of thing and, and, and again the regulation comes into play as well because I mean I've even come across a company who is very proud of the fact that it has a 48 hour turnaround for approving a tweet you know I was gobsmacked when I heard that you know come on you, you, you 48 seconds is possibly too long to approve a tweet how do we overcome that reticence that there is within not just the financial services industry I expect it, it, it happens in quite a few industries where there's quite a lot of regulation how do we overcome that reticence and, and put social media as part a very important part of your marketing strategy and, and how can the experience that you've had with building Natter sort of contribute to that debate um, well, well um, the first thing I should say is you know Natter it's, it's very very early days for us and we're we, you know we're a a tiny minnow in the in the in the world of uh, social media, but I'll give you my own perspective, and that is, you know, in any business, people talk about multi-channel marketing and where there's uh, an audience, uh, uh, you should be because there are potentially customers there, and you know, NASA is quite small, but um, if I were running a business in financial service, I'd want to have a presence on Twitter, I'd want to have a presence on Facebook, Instagram as well, and increasingly, I hope um, you would also want to be on NASA. How do you feel Natter can contribute to simplifying complex industries? Well, again, I come back to the fact that it's a, it's a tool that we put up there for people to discover how to use. But, you know, the great news is people like Phil Calvert, who you've mentioned, and, and a number of his associates, who, by the way, I've, I've never met. <laughs> uh, I'm actually meeting Phil for the first time this week. But people who are, have no association with have discovered uh, use cases for it. Um, and I would not be arrogant enough to suggest to people how they should run their business on, a, on any social platform but clearly people are finding ways to uh, to use Natter. Realistically Roger it's it's probably a, a little bit more irreverent than Twitter where people can contain their thoughts in 140 characters and clearly say a, a bit more. So I think for me uh, Natter is it's evolving to something that's probably a little bit more social than it is business orientated and I think that's in many ways a key differentiator from, from Twitter which is a phenomenal platform which I also use and, uh, and I don't think Natter would ever displace so uh, I don't know is the, <laughs> probably the, uh, the simple answer but uh, it, it clearly has found a place and people are finding uh, reasons to be uh, on Natter and post on Natter. I think it's quite interesting, although I think you're, you're right that Natter will eventually evolve more as a social platform as opposed to a business platform. It's still possible for us to take business lessons from the model that you developed and the experiences you've had. So perhaps we can have a look at some of the challenges that you faced getting this initiative off the ground. How did you overcome those challenges to make Natter work? Uh, well, I think when we started really there were sort of uh, the two key challenges and, and to some extent those those two still exist um the the first one was the limitation of resources because we are a small business and when you want to do 20 really urgent things with with one main developer and a few contractors then then which do you do first so that was uh, a challenge from the start uh, and continues to be this day and to this day and we 
uh, overcome that to some extent by you know engaging with users but uh, everybody wants everything today uh, and what I constantly say to people is you know the things that we do now are things that we decided on three months ago <laughs> uh, and in the absence and in the absence of some benevolent venture capitalist coming and giving us a lot of money which by the way we are working on uh-huh. uh, if, if anyone knows me please point them our way but in the absence of that you know we are quite constrained with resor- with resources the other uh, challenge really was getting the word out so you know thank you to you for allowing us on the podcast to help with that and we've had great help from people like Kate Russell the technology journalist who featured us on BBC Click which uh, drove lots and lots of people to our site and then we had the Iranian version of Kate Russell on BBC Persia oh right so so now NASA is uh, or has for the last week been heavily <laughs> dominated with people coming and posting Farsi which has been uh, a challenge in terms of making sure that it's all uh, the kind of content that we would want on NASA <laughs> using Google Translate but yeah we've we've been we've been lucky with getting the message out there and uh, and actually finding a number of advocates the likes of Phil Calvert who have been out there on our behalf and uh, and promoted NASA and it's really just the start but the good news is it is genuinely growing and I hope we're at the bottom of a, a very steep growth curve. What's the one big idea that you'd like those people who are listening to the Empath podcast today to take away from these experiences that you've had Neil? Well um, would you mind if I gave you two? Of course not. Uh, and there are two because I, I thought about this before we spoke and um, the first one is to just get on and try and do stuff that's kind of a motto at, at Alamex we do stuff and that's really what we've done with Natter. You know, we did the MVP, the minimum viable product, and it was pretty ugly when it was first out there. Uh, but we put it out there, and there are a lot of businesses that talk about things. But I'm proud of the fact that we get on and do stuff, and actually, uh, that's got NASA to where it is today, and will take us a lot further in the future. And the second thing, um, I guess, it's one of the themes of your podcast, really, is a, is a customer focus. And in technology, it's very easy to think, well, we're building the next big thing, we need millions of users, and we're going to scale, 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 scale. But there's a fantastic article, which I'd recommend to your users, written by Paul Graham. Have you heard of Paul Graham from Y Combinator? I've not come across him, no. Y Combinator is perhaps the best-known Silicon Valley internet incubator and responsible for things like Airbnb uh, and quite a few others. And it's run by a guy called Paul Graham, uh, and he wrote an article called Don't Scale. And I'd recommend your listeners Google that. Just Google Don't Scale by Paul Graham. And his point is actually when you're starting a technology business, don't go for millions of users. Go for a few users and engage with them and get their input and get their feedback and if you can get a small group of power users to really love what you're doing then you can grow it from there uh, and you know we we have a fantastic group of power users i particularly like to name check snicks and diplomatic diva who are <laughs> on, uh, on that i'm sure you've uh, you've seen their posts uh, and it's uh, it's phenomenal that we actually have this core group which is slowly slowly growing uh, and actually really feels like we're uh, we're onto something so customer focus uh, i would say is the second thing what do you think has worked well so far as you've been putting nasa together and what's not worked so well neil how have you modified your approach as a result of the feedback that you've had from your power users over the last year or so I was tempted to ask, uh, I paused because I was tempted to ask you, Roger, what you think, because you're, you're actively uh, posting on NASA now. <laughs> yes, indeed. I initially found it harder than I thought, because 
you know, again, cutting things down into three words is quite quite a tough challenge. I think my immediate thought was, can I break the rules? So I think I actually posted that as a question, can you break the rules and use the hashtag? And then I started thinking, can I actually add words together? So, um, hello, Neil, without a space between it, is one word. So effectively, I've cheated and I've typed two words, but Nata thinks that it's one word. So I started looking for ways to break it like that. But I think overall, I've come back to the fact that for me it's the it's the thought process that it it will instill within me i've got to get a message over in three words how can i do that so for for me it's almost like an intellectual challenge yeah i mean what i found the really interesting thing and this is personally and and uh, uh, other people have said the same thing is the way it plays on your subconscious so actually you you won't be on that but you'll be walking down the streets and suddenly your your subconscious will compose a really interesting three words but you know y- your point about um putting more than three words in uh, camel casing as it's known in other words running words together without spaces in between it, i just find it hilarious that Sixty percent of people who come on Nata think that they're the first person to discover that you can post more than three words, <laughs> and it's hilarious to watch. Uh, and and actually, we're just adding some FAQs at the moment to the app, uh, and one of the FAQs is, you know, can I do more than three words? Uh, and our response to that in the FAQs is, sure you can. You know, it's kind of, <laughs> you know d- this is your Nata, take it where you want to take it, but the reality is people don't have to follow you. So actually, I think most people on there tend to uh, to like the three-word discipline and will tend to follow people who use the three-word discipline. I, you know, I'll be honest, very occasionally, there's something really important I want to say that, uh, that I can't quite squeeze into three words, and I, I put four in by <laughs> skipping a space. But it's, I think the core of what we're trying to do is be uh, concise. I think Natter is entirely different to Twitter. is a very different proposition, and and it kind of works. And sure, there are things that we're doing today that will almost certainly change in the future, but uh, it'll all be considered and, and and based on customer feedback. Neil, it's been fascinating to talk to you this morning about the development of Natter. As I said, I'm very interested in the development of social media, but moreover, I'm very interested in simplifying the financial services industry and whether people ultimately end up using Natter or not I think that the the discipline that it can bring to your thought processes and allowing you to start thinking in simple terms has got to be an advantage before we go however I always like to finish the empath podcast off with a quick fire round of four business questions you happy to stay for a few moments more to do that of course I am great if there was one thing that you could change about the financial services industry perhaps by waving the proverbial magic wand what would it be I don't know if this is uh, exactly uh, what your question is getting at, but I think a massive change that we could make uh, in the UK uh, for for people generally would be to uh, introduce personal finance as a GCSE, probably a compulsory GCSE. Um, I think as somebody who's been personally obsessive about my own financial planning, it's remarkable to me how a lot of very intelligent, sophisticated people just don't even want to think about it. And I look at my my son's GCSE choices and they're given the option of some quite ludicrous specialities at <laughs> such a young age. And yet, you know, one of the most important life skills that there is is uh, is managing one's finances and understanding APRs and things like that. And, and no one even thinks about teaching that school. So I'd like to introduce personal finance as a GCSE. And, and, uh, and I've always believed that um, marketing these days, especially with the digital technology available to us, is more about education than it ever has been. And if that's 
the case, then why wouldn't you start people's financial education at school? What's the one business model, product or campaign that's caught your attention in the last year, even if it was from a competitor? Tell us what it was and what you liked about it. Well, I've got an answer for technology and an answer for financial services to try and uh, address all the audiences. And I think in, in technology, uh, it's been the uh, social media platform Ello. Have you come across I've, that? I've come across Ello, yes. Yeah. And I and I just really admire the way they've managed to generate a global buzz for something that you couldn't even get access to. Uh, and actually, there's a lesson in that for, for NASA. We just made it freely available. <laughs> um, but I think they've done a great job. I mean, I, I, I'm not an active user of Ello. I do have a login, uh, but I think uh, that their their marketing and PR was just phenomenal. And I think their ambition is, is very, very worthy. And I fully support what they're trying to do. In financial services, again, to talk about a, a product, and I know it's not come about in the last year, but I'm a huge fan and particularly recently have become a big fan of, of Terry Smith and what he's doing with Fundsmith. I honestly think uh, Terry Smith's going to end up being uh, a British Warren Buffett. And um, I personally have moved a lot of my savings into his equity and emerging markets, uh, his equity fund and emerging market investment trust. So I'm a big, big fan of, of him and, and his position in the marketplace. Tell us about an app or a gadget that's made a huge difference to your life and or your business. I want to talk about Boomerang for Gmail. Have you come across that, Roger? No, I've not. <laughs> uh, I've only come across it recently, but I'm a, I'm a big disciple of David Allen and the Getting Things Done um, system, which I attended one of his seminars about 10 years ago before he was particularly famous, uh, but I'm, I'm into the inbox zero. But Boomerang is a, is a simple, uh, it's a free add-on for Gmail. I think there's a premium version, but I use the free one, where actually you can boomerang emails to come back into your inbox at a time in the future. But actually, more importantly for me, actually you can choose when to do, send an email to someone. So, you know, I, I typically, like most entrepreneurs, work seven days a week, but I don't particularly want to get involved in email exchanges over the weekend. So... I send a ton of emails during the weekend scheduled to leave my folder at eight o'clock on a Monday morning. Uh, and I just find that with the, you know, Gmail or not Gmail, but email in general is the bane of everyone's business life. And the boomerang add on to Gmail, if you use Gmail, has just been phenomenal in terms of helping me manage that. Such a great idea. Makes you wonder why Microsoft haven't got something like that on Outlook. And finally, what's the best business book you've ever read? Tell us why you like it so much and what you took from it. It's a little-known book called Stealing MySpace. Have you heard of that? No, I've not. Everything you've come up with today I've never <laughs> heard of, Neil, so I've got a lot of things to follow up on after this podcast. This is a, a fantastic piece of internet history. It's essentially the story of, uh, of MySpace, which I knew very little about because I didn't even particularly use MySpace. But it was a business that was very entrepreneurial, doing something quite different. Uh, and essentially, they copied a very well-funded, very well-engineered Silicon Valley solution, which I can't even remember the name of, which went nowhere, and did it so much better. And by being entrepreneurial and trying stuff, they took this idea to the most popular social network at the time on the Internet and then sold it to News Corp. And, and the, the story... Uh, gives the inside story of the whole of that journey and I you know it, it reads like history now but it's such recent history and 
I absolutely love it. I've read it several times. That's fantastic. That's great, Neil. And as always, all of the things you've mentioned and talked about today, you'll be able to find in the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash empath. And before we sign off, Neil, tell everyone how they can connect with you on Twitter, LinkedIn, Google+, Natter, of course, and Alamex website, perhaps? Uh, um, I would say, first of all, you know, please do contact me. I love hearing from people, particularly if they have a perspective on what we're doing. I'm at Neil. N-E-I-L uh, on Natter and the great thing about Natter in fact this is a use case is um, you don't even need to sign up to, to read what I'm saying so if you go to natter.com forward slash user forward slash Neil you'll see what I'm saying and email the old fashioned way Neil N-E-I-L again at natter.com I'm at N Stanley on Twitter uh, Neil J Stanley on LinkedIn and I really genuinely welcome any feedback, any contact from, uh, from any of your listeners. Neil, thank you so much for talking to me today. Let me wish you every success for the future, and I hope to catch up with you again soon, but we'll certainly be nattering. Thank you very much, Roger. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Protection and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. If you are a provider or advisor or journalist and you have a product, campaign or business model you'd like to talk about, please get in touch. You could be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's all just thoughts and opinions, okay?